This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real, practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Diggs. In this podcast, we speak to comedian and podcaster Stuart Goldsmith. I would normally be paying someone for this experience. I'm so pleased to get this free therapy from you. We talk about parenting. Oh yes, my children are one day going to rifle through my possessions. I'd better make sure everything is secure, more secure than it is at the moment. Cooling off in the bedroom. And then I'll walk away, take a cold shower and hit myself in the face a few times. And mountains of porn. Climbing on this mountain of maybe 600 copies of The Sun and going, Oh my God, have you seen this? <laughs> Welcome to The Real Sex Education. I'm Diggory Waite, and as ever, I'm joined by accredited sex and relationship therapist, Kate Campbell. Hello, Mum. Hello, Diggs. Today, Mum and I are very glad to welcome Stuart Goldsmith to the show. Stuart is a comedian, host of the Comedian's Comedian podcast, and co-hosts the Child Labour podcast with Cindy V. Yeah, and that is brilliant because they talk obviously a lot about parenting and childcare and they have quite different views. They come from very different positions and it's really brilliant to listen to how respectful they are of one another and how they model just good communication. So I, I just think, you, you know, it's so relevant to sex and relationship therapy to, to think about ways that people can have very different views and it's perfectly okay and you can come to an accommodation and find a middle ground and and they kind of do that really well. Yeah, exactly. We speak to Stuart a lot about parenting today in the episode and we'll be speaking with Cindy V uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, great. Well, if you would like to put a question to a real sex and relationship therapist like my mum, you can. At the end of the episode, we put your questions to Kate about sex, relationships and everything in between. You can send in your queries to podcasts at hatchet.com. That's hatchet with two T's. But before we get there, we spoke with serial podcaster Stuart Goldsmith. You, I've, I've introduced you as a serial podcaster. Is, is that right? Oh, God, yeah, I suppose I've been doing it long enough that I am now serial, like a <laughs> yeah. veteran one day. Like you'll be up on a wall in some podcasting police place. You're a serial <laughs> podcaster. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's get, I suppose, down into the nitty gritty of it. Um, are you excited to talk about your sex education and all that sort of stuff? No, I'm, I'm really scared. <laughs> I was making some notes beforehand, because oh, I, really? which isn't something I would ordinarily do before a podcast. Yeah. But... Um, 
I I think I was very repressed. I had very like the idea of sex education. Actually, it was one of those when I got the offer to do this show, I kind of made myself do it, and I oh, was really? just on the outside going, "Oh, you're making yourself do this," because I I think I'm I went to a, a private school. I wasn't a boarder, but there were boarders. And um, it was pretty repressed. I don't have happy memories of it. And so anything anything connected with education is quite difficult for me. And certainly sex education, I think it took me a long time post-school to kind of uh, un- unwind my repression. So very nervous <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> but then in, so in terms of your formal sex education, you say it was quite repressed. Can you remember anything about that? Well, nothing. I mean, I don't like in, in formal formally. I don't think we ever had a sex education lesson. It would literally have been mentioned in biology. I can. I've got the image in my mind of the um, the, the classic cutaway diagram of uh, penis sideways. You know, in kind yeah. of in that awful kind of. I mean, I'm miming it now, which is no good for a podcast. But um, <laughs> but just you know that almost like that was my formal sex education was like this happens something to do with gametes run along you know <laughs> it's it's funny you say that because when obviously when I was younger and I was living with my mum you know when when you your computer has the screensaver and it would just be oh, all God. of your pictures from your computer uh, just like on a roll so it would be so with my mum it was obviously like family holiday photos and stuff but because you're a sex therapist she had that very photo you're talking about like cross section of a penis that would often it come was up. it was yes. do, do you know it was it was awful those things yeah. were used for teaching so it's because I teach sex therapy as well and um people would kind of come past my study and see them and say oh that reminds me I just wanted to ask you about this and I thought oh god oh god <laughs> but it's such it's such a confronting image when it's the only representation of genitalia that you are being shown by an authority it is it's it's inherently castrated it's not just kind of floating in space it's sliced down the middle yeah. it's like this is how that all works it's a sort of horrifying thing it doesn't make you feel good at all no yeah and in the same way that it's you know very human in that it's the inner workings of actually how a human body works you know it's not what i think about and when i'm thinking i don't think about how all those things are going on and working um even though i'm about to say on a podcast with my mum, i think about my penis a lot um (laughs) let's 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 i think by the time you're doing a sex education podcast with your (laughs) mum, you've got to get past that you've you've already committed So, Stuart, you say you can't remember too much of your sex education um, other than emblematic pictures of cut-up penises. Um, what then... Where, where else did you get it from then? I know that my parents had a copy of The Joy of Sex with the classic The Hairy Guy. What the was, Hairy what, Man. What was, what was this? What's The Joy of Sex? Oh, it's a, it's a classic book from, I guess, the 70s, judging by the hair on that guy. Alex Comfort, yeah. <laughs> That's really funny because I th- it is funny that you don't even know the title of it. I mean, why would you? But I get the impression mm. it was a big, iconic book. Is that is that right, Kate, that it was, you know? Mm, it certainly was. Wow. Yeah. So they were, they were kind of almost like, I remember them being like pencil crayon drawings. Yeah. They were probably pen and ink drawings. Mm. And it was a, a hairy man and a less but still hairy lady. And uh, they were sort of having intimate cuddles with one another. Oh, wow. And I think, I mean, even I've not f- had this thought before, but it was probably left out for me to find. Oh. You know, it was, pr- well, I mean, it, I don't think I found it when I was rifling through my parents' possessions, mm. but 
I've just realised now as a parent myself, oh, yes, my children are one day going to rifle through my possessions. I'd better make sure everything is secure, more secure than it is at the moment. But, yeah, so I I don't know if it had been left out for me particularly. Mm. And without wanting to sort of drop my parents in it at all, I don't think that they... I don't remember. And this is this is difficult mm. because although I'm repressed <laughs> inherently as a result of the British public school system, I don't have clear memories of a lot of my childhood. I don't, often I hear people talk about their childhoods and describe them in a way that I think, God, I couldn't go into that much detail. Um, so I, maybe they did give me a, a sit down talk, but I only remember one talk from my dad. And it was literally him drunk at his 40th birthday party, f- feeling, I think, there's something he should have said. And it's sort of almost, I mean, and again, I don't, I can't, I feel like I've told this story more than, obviously it only happened once and I've thought about it a few times. So I might have, I might be remembering the memory. But from what I remember, he sort of in passing stopped and went, oh, you know, um, we should at some point, um, you know, uh, you know, you could put them on your heads at parties. <laughs> and that was it. That was the whole thing. And how chat. old were you when he, when he said that? Was it too late by that point? I don't, it, was I? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. I know. I certainly knew what he was talking about, yeah. and I certainly affected a kind of I know, mate. But <laughs> yeah. I might have been affecting a hey man of the man of the world like me kind of a thing. I'll stop you right there, Dad. I know about sex. I'm a man of the world. I know about the birds and the bees. I know about mums, tongues, and their front bum. I don't know if you know yet, but I'm 14 now. I know about playboys and sex toys. There's nothing you can tell me when it comes to sex. There ain't nothing for me to learn next. So when your dad said that to you and had that chat, do you reckon it was too late? By that point? I didn't lose my virginity until I was 17. Right. So I feel like the chat was probably pre that. Mm. But I think a lot of my informal sex education, I actually got from, I don't want to say art, sounds highfalutin or culture, but from stand-up comedy or from comic books, but not comic books about sex, comic books about not specifically sex education, but I remember, you know, being into sci-fi, which is often written by really good nerds with a you know doctor who is basically written by good nerds and i would have like novelizations of doctor who and the point of that is always about respecting people respecting women and and so that was kind of a big part of my understanding of the world was from those sort of cultural things because i certainly wasn't getting that from school or from friends particularly it was probably role-playing games and (laughs) doctor who novelizations i'm ashamed to say (laughs) So, so Dungeons and Dragons, but not Sex Dungeons. And Dragons, well, yeah, sort of Sex yeah. Dungeons, but yeah. Sex Dragons. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that I have a particular routine from um, Mark Thomas that's stuck in my mind, the comedian Mark Thomas, who I was a huge fan of. He was playing a dad trying to get his son to be sex positive, And in it, he was mm-hmm. describing... Um, getting various foods like a kiwi that was sort of inherently hairy or furry and sort of putting it on a plate and going, look, son, there it is. It's hairy. Don't be scared of it. You know, that, that kind of a thing. Um, and then, and I think at one point in the routine, he says, and remember, the gentleman always goes down first. And you know what I mean? And like, I don't remember it with the word, but it, it made a, obviously a huge impression on me. So I think that the sort of right-thinking comedians that I used mm. to follow and adore probably I would I would pick up bits of how sex worked and how relationships worked, but almost by kind of like 
taking to bits, like retroactively working out why an audience was laughing. Mm. If you see what I mean, that makes me seem very one-dimensional. But I think it's true. <laughs> that that I have to say, that's fascinating. That was never I would never thought on this podcast we'd say, oh, where did you glean some of your sex education from? And they'd say other stand-up comics or you know role-playing games and and sort of sci-fi novels and stuff. I, I think I think that's. That's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, mov- movies as well, obviously. You know, you'd you'd catch a bit of late night Channel 4 art house and, and go, oh, right, what's going on there? But um, but there wasn't the opportunity in those times to kind of decide to see that stuff. It wasn't available. I remember, and I've, again, I've, I've no idea whether this is a, a false memory because in the light of day, it seems preposterous. But I have a clear mental image of, like, there almost being like a shed, like a sort of janitor's shed, like an old kind of like a garage, which was just full of old newspapers. And on the premises of my school that we managed to, if not break into, then be in in, in at break time in a not allowed capacity. Mm. And I'm sure I remember me and several of my friends, and this was, this is the junior school, we must have been 10, kind of spotting, like climbing on this mountain of maybe 600 copies of The Sun and going, oh my God, have you seen this? And just you know, looking at all these page threes. You, yeah, I was going to say, have you turned to page three? Yeah, page three are mine as well. What's yeah, going on no, page three? What are the odds? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I mean, I'm not in touch with any of the people who I remember being there anymore to check whether that's true. It seems mm. dreamlike, but I, I think that happened. So I think that was probably my first experience of pornography in a very sort of softcore way. Mm. Yeah, a, a dream like a mountain of porn is, is yeah. imaginative. <laughs> Maybe some kids And then mad. all my teeth fell out and I turned into a fish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally standard childhood scenario. I'm just a fish in an infinite sea. Look over there, a mountain of pornography. I'm just a fish, I live in a sea of enemy. Look at my mouth. All my teeth are falling out. All my teeth are falling out. So that's your sort of formative sex education. But what about later in your life, Stuart? It was for a while. It was for a while. I, um, having had quite a repressed childhood, I became very sexually expressive in my 20s and 30s. And... I don't know if you've read The Ethical Slut, no. but I read The Ethical Slut. Um, it's a, I, I really recommend that that uh, that book. It's sort of, I suppose these days people have regarded it as a kind of um, a manual on successful polyamory. You don't need to do polyamory successful or otherwise to find it a really interesting book. Mm. And I think it's about, it sort of takes at its core the idea that sex is a really positive thing and being attracted to people is a really positive thing and we fuck it all up mm. by nature of our humanity and our guilt and our shame and our fear and all the rest of it and our jealousy. We can really ruin something mm. beautiful and pure and, and wonderful. So I think in my kind of dating life I for a long time I I was in long I was in a series of very long relationships um and I think the times when I wasn't in long relationships I was very sexually active and I kind of I'm proud that I always aimed to or aspired to to be sexually active in line with the principles of this book The Ethical Slut I have certainly had um occasions where my insistence on telling uh, a one night stand partner, a potential one night stand that, look, I'm not in this for a relationship. This is just a one night thing. Is that cool? And, and you know, mm-hmm. it's made it awkward. <laughs> and they've gone, I don't think it is cool. And I'm like, that's fine. And then I walk away, <laughs> take a cold shower and hit myself <laughs> in the face a few times. But I've, I, I'm kind of proud that I have done that mm. because 
it's the right thing to do. Mm. And particularly, I mean, in my stand-up comedy, when I was becoming a stand-up comedian, I did lots of material about sex. Um, I was very sexually active and mm. a lot of my material was about kind of reveling in that, really. Um, now I am married and I'm in, uh, I'm a parent, so my material is about how incredibly frustrating elements of my life are, how frustrating it is having kids, those mm. those sorts of things. I think I'm a better comic because of it, because I'm kicking against circumstance, you know, uh, rather than just being one of those young young white guy comedians who's like, way, you know, my life's going great. Well, sure, what have you got to say? So what what was the shift then? Because you say you, there's clearly a yes. stark contract between when you were a kid and, and when you're in your 20s. What was the shift? What What happened, you know? I'm pleased to say... That I ran away with the circus. Yes, <laughs> I I literally did. I mean, I it, it was all kind of a jumble of different things happened. The the, the broader answer is performing arts. Mm-hmm. I started going to. I was at an all boys school. I started going at weekends to a, a young people's theatre group, which mm. was mixed and brilliant, and it was fun. And I suddenly just became a different person when I was there. I can recognise that now. Like now, it's clear as day. There's a photo of me wearing my school uniform in a darkened room looking harrowed at the camera. And then, like, the next day, there's there's a photo from the next day of me playing Oliver Twist in this production and and just feeling so full of life and energy and just feeling loved and and respected and all those things. I was really, really lucky to, to kind of... to have the opportunity to transform myself from a very kind of unhappy place to just an incredible kind of smorgasbord of people. That's so amazing. Isn't it? I do bang on about it a lot, and that's why. (laughs) There's a running joke on my podcast. Whenever I mention I used to be a street performer, you have to take a drink. And I'm aware that I bang on about it, but it was so fundamental Mm. to my self-image and the transformation of my self-image from being fearful to to being celebratory. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Stuart, you've got two kids yourself, four and one. Those aren't the names. Those are um, <laughs> those are the ages. Um, I was just wondering, I know that's very, very young, but have you thought about sex education for them yet? And are you instilling anything in them now? We try and be really on top of consent. Mm. So, And we, we are never going to make either of them kiss a relative that they don't want to. We're never going to go, oh, go on, give your granny a kiss sort of thing. Because I, not that anyone's granny has ever been predatory <laughs> to me, yeah. but I think that... The idea, particularly with girls, but with boys as well, the idea that you are expected to allow people close to you 
or or it's awkward. I don't think that's a very sensible thing to to teach as a sort of template. One of the, I mean, this is this is a big leap I'm making now, but you should speak to Alice Fraser, brilliant comedian Alice Fraser, who's on the Bugle and and various other things. She teaches empowerment classes. She leads empowerment classes for young women. And one of the most powerful things she said to me, and I really remember this, I, I realise this is, this is a bit serious and it's kind of slightly off the topic of my own children, but the she, one of the things that really stayed with me, she said she teaches girls that like the, the essence of empowerment is that if you think you're in a dangerous situation where a guy isn't taking your... Is, is, is taking your consent for granted. If you say out loud, don't rape me, please don't rape me, it will complete... I mean, Digger, I saw your head rock back then. Of course, it just takes all of the 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 kind of the insinuation and the subtlety out of it and says point blank and actually knowing, feeling that you are empowered to say a point blank refusal like that, to actually say the word out loud, I can imagine that. I think we're we're very on top of consent. We're very on top of like I say to my daughter all the time. We've got a running joke whereby she's very disdainful towards me. I mean, I say it's a running joke. She's just very disdainful <laughs> towards me. But I will say to her, "Do you want to have a cuddle with Daddy?" And she'll go, "No, no." Mm. And I never force it. I never say, "Come here and give me a cuddle." I go, "Okay." From what I can tell, Stuart, like what you were saying there sounds brilliant. I mean, it, it, I think what's the good thing about the the consent. Um, conversation is it's in all facets of life rather than just just a purely sexual one it's stuff that can be born out of other stuff I mean mum what do you think about that is that is that right oh no absolutely wonderful mm. I mean you have to start the consent conversations as early as possible and, and you know and it can apply to anything and it certainly certainly can apply to your body and and being being comfortable talking about your your own body is really important too it just sounds uh, terrific Oh, one second. We've we've got visitors. Sorry. Hello. <laughs> I'm recording a podcast. Yeah, sorry. Hello, darling. Are you being a panda? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, gang. Two seconds. This is so this cute. Is great. In some ways, this is perfect. Do you want to come <laughs> sorry, gang. Two seconds. No. no. Okay. Did you want to come and give me a cuddle? No. Yeah, really. Hey, the system works. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. Oh. Hello. Hello, do you want to wave? These people might wave back. Oh. Yes! Oh, but That's Kate. <laughs> this is so sweet. <laughs> Are you being a panda? Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> okay, bye bye, Piggy. Should we say bye, everyone? Bye bye. Bye bye. Love you. See you soon. So, Stuart, you're a little bit hypervigilant. That, that I guess, means that you're always on the lookout for danger and very sensitive to any sort of risk. What effect has that had on you and your parenting? Yes, I panicked then because I realise now that's based on research outside the conversation we just had. And I thought, oh my God, can you (laughs) diagnose I've got hypervigilance from just what we've said? Um, But yes, I... I, Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you can. (laughs) Um, I... um, I definitely have hypervigilance. I was in a very serious car accident when I was 11. And um, I think I attribute it to that. I think there are certain things. My A therapist I was with for a while ago, um, I can't really call him my therapist anymore. I've not seen him for a few years. But um, he certainly said a lot of... Like, there are certain triggers I have, that things that really upset me and and kind of hit me in a very profound... Just like I'm a bell and you've gone dong. Like, there are certain little things that just make me vibrate a bit mm. and um and i think that is fairly fundamental to them um 
So certainly I'm, I'm very hypervigilant. I'm constantly on the lookout for things going wrong. And again, that's a big issue with my parenting. I am constantly having to check myself, often too late after I've already said, oh, don't do that. If you fall off that, you could break your leg. Do you know what I mean? I just, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching him that the world is a dangerous place uh, in a way that uh, is, is not fair. The world is a dangerous place, but you can be careful. But, but on the other hand, you, as you said, you, it's really great if you're aware of that kind of thing. And what's the, the kind of hypervigilance that is really unhelpful is, is the sort that people aren't aware of, that, that just constant anxiety and fear of getting something wrong, rather than something bad being done to them, which is external, something, something that they do causing a problem, which absolutely feeds into adult life and, and everything you do and sex. And if you've had tra- any sort of trauma, even the kind of trauma where you feel you can't speak your mind then you have no language usually. I mean, everything is felt rather than expressed. So things like clown skills or theatre or music or art or anything that you can use to express it is brilliant. So if you give children those things as they're growing, then they've always got a way of expressing themselves throughout their lives, haven't they? And rather yes. than than the than, than having to think, oh, God, I'm just going to get it wrong and everything is going to go wrong and the world will end. Um, yes, yes. And he's like, I've noticed he's he's got, a, you know, we've got kind of temper issues at the moment. And he and I, mm. uh, he, he has flare ups whenever I tell him no, basically, like his mum's very good at dealing at saying no in a super playful way. Whereas I just core value for me, I feel like if there's danger, if there's danger, he might run into the road. I need to know that when I shout his name, he stops. So I have a certain bluntness from my dad when I say no, even if I say it in a gentle way, he's very sensitive and he'll throw a fit he'll get really cross with me but i have noticed sometimes he will march off and scribble an angry picture of some unhappy faces and then mm. feel better and i'm like oh my god yeah. this is great wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> last thing we usually like to mm. to ask is how was it for you uh, is there anything that you, <laughs> um how was it for you is there anything you've learned is there anything that you've learned about yourself, maybe, or reminded yourself? Yeah, I think um, just now when Kate was saying about things that are expressed, things that, what was it you said? Things that are, that are felt but not well, expressed. Well, things that, are, that things, things that have any sort of, any kind of association with trauma or stress are very difficult to express verbally because they're so felt. Yeah. And particularly with young children, they don't have the language, do they? So they, so they have a temper tantrum or something. Yes, gotcha. Yes. Well, I think that that I will continue to ruminate on that because when you said that, I had one of those moments where I kind of went, oh, like a big trigger for me. <laughs> if anyone ever says to me, it's going to be all right, I probably will start crying. Just, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's just one of those little key phrases. And I had a little one of those when you said about stuff being expressed and stuff being felt. I kind of went, oh, and then I thought, oh, I would normally be paying someone for this experience. I'm so pleased <laughs> to get this free therapy from you. So it was very nice for me. Thank you. Oh, well, I'm glad you're a fan of therapy. Of course, I'm, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah, love it. I did, C- I did CBT for a long time and then I did um, Gestalt psychotherapy and with, with wow. the most recent guy. And at one point he said, let's very early on in our relationship together, he said, I'm just going to try something here. And he put four chairs down and he said, I'm just going to ask you to sit in each of these four chairs and give voice to these different attitudes that we've that we've established, that we've been talking about. And he said, it's sort of a role play thing. He said, Stu, with some clients, I think this will be a bit much for them, but I think you're going to be fine. Yeah. With it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, oh, that's brilliant. That's great. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having for me. It. I really enjoyed that. It was great. And I'm, oh, okay, it's over now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was really nervous. Oh. oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Stuart. Nice yeah, one. What a pleasure. Thanks, gang. It's the mailbag. Send Kate your queries to podcastahatch.com. It's the mailbag. Send Kate your queries. Podcast the hat trick with two T's. Hello there. I have a query for Kate. I would like to know when the real sex education mailbag starts. The real sex education mailbag starts right now. Thank you. Thank you so, so much to Stuart Goldsmith. I, what a lovely guy. I love that yeah. man. Yeah. Right, so now is the time in the show that we take a look into our mailbox. It's your chance to have your questions answered by an accredited sex and relationship therapist. If you have any queries for my mum, you can send them in via email to podcasts at hattrick.com. That's hattrick with two Ts. And don't worry, we'll keep your anonymity unless you say otherwise. So let's take a look. The first question we have is from Jenna, who says, My problem is, is that I've been faking orgasms during sex. I don't know how to convey that I would prefer some different moves, as what my boyfriend now thinks gets me there doesn't turn me on at all, really. Yeah, I mean, this is happening a lot because so many people have a sexual relationship before they have a kind of partner relationship. And so it doesn't matter so much when it's things are just casual. And then all of a sudden, for long term relationship, it starts to matter a lot. If you can't bring yourself to be totally honest, I would suggest saying, oh, that's nice, but actually I prefer this even more. Or saying that you're really that you were really into just being together and and the experience rather than that you were climaxing and that they've misread it perhaps, um, but it but it's but I mean all of these things are subterfuge. It's much better to be honest and come clean. Um, yeah, I think I think I imagine that the boyfriend would want to get you off if they if they're a good boyfriend, they'd want to. <laughs> you know, help you get there. Um, It's it's probably something you can have a little laugh about, isn't it? I mean, if if you tell the story the the right way, you know, I wanted to please you, you know, so. Yeah, just being honest. I mean, yeah, it's usually a lot, it's very scary beforehand, but then when you actually do it, you realise, oh, that wasn't that scary at all. Yeah. Okay, the next question we have is from Anonymous, and Anonymous says, is it okay to have vaginal sex without a condom if you've just had anal sex with a condom? Does removing the condom offer protection from infection? Well, it's it, 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 it does offer some protection, but in an ideal world, you should really have a thorough wash and wash your hands as well as your penis after anal sex because there's an awful lot of bacteria around and to be absolutely on the safe side you don't want to introduce it into the vagina um sometimes you could perhaps use wipes if you really really can't bring yourself to go and have a wash um but in an ideal world soap and water is best well thank you for all your submissions to kate if you'd like to put a query to kate about anything sexual relationship related or would just like to get in touch with podcasts at hattrick.com that's hattrick with two t's a big thank you to Stuart goldsmith and kate campbell cheers ma cheers dicks see you next week for more real sex education bye bye you've been listening to the real sex education which is hosted by diggory Waite and kate campbell the show is produced by Andy Goddard and Diggory Waite. The Real Sex Education is a Hattrick podcast. If you'd like to hear more podcasts by Hattrick, including Time Ghost with Alexander Armstrong and Ben Miller, just search Hattrick Podcasts on your podcast provider of choice. 
This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between the host, Degree Waite, and his mother, accredited sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by, but otherwise unrelated to, the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Degree does wish his co-host was Gillian Anderson. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 